0: A hundred years ago, when I was a radio news reporter in this community—that was before the internet changed the world and before social media and smartphones kind of reduced the need to be in the same room with one another—I would routinely pop in various offices at the Brazos County Courthouse, and I would talk to elected officials and the people serving under them and try to kick up stories for my newscast. Well, one of the people I became friendly with back then—and this was 1990 something was an assistant prosecutor named Ed Spillane. Now, Ed wasn't just a skilled and smart member of the district attorney's office, but he was helpful and funny and just a genuinely nice guy, uh, especially for a Harvard graduate. So (laughs) then you flash ahead a fair number of years, and we found ourselves working together for the city of College Station. Uh, I was a lowly communications guy. Ed was the presiding judge for College Station Municipal Court. And that's a city council appointed position that I think he's held since about 2002. And Judge Spillane hasn't just fundamentally changed the way municipal court operates in College Station. His influence has been felt in communities across the country, thanks to his professional involvement at the national level and even a 2016 opinion piece that ran in the Washington Post. And that earned a ton of attention. He is still doing transformative work, which is why he's with me today. Welcome to This Matters. I am Jay Sokol. Everyone, please rise for the Honorable Presiding Judge, Edwards the III. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Jay. Uh, my face is turning red, I think. That's, that's exactly. the best introduction you've ever had.
1: That's right. I, that's a great introduction.
0: <laughs> so, for those who don't know what the Municipal Court Judge in College Station does, can you talk a little bit about the cases you hear, the kind of cases you hear, and, and the full scope of your court's operations?
1: Well, at some point, I probably see everyone in Brazos County. We uh, cover, it's a criminal court, uh, but Texas, unlike a lot of states, all of our traffic cases are criminal. And so, traffic tickets. I see the traffic tickets speeding, going through a red light, etc. cetera. Uh, then I see uh, alcohol cases where I see a lot of college students because they're very age-related. So minor in possession of alcohol, driving under the influence, um, public intoxication, which is not age-based. You can be over 21 and get a public intoxication arrest. Um, I see assaults, thefts. Uh, low-level thefts, uh, and then we see city ordinance violations as well. So uh, they're all fine-only cases. Uh, You can go to jail if you don't show up, but uh, it's a criminal court and it's a a good variety of cases.
0: Is it pretty much the same sort of ratio year to year to year, or do you see kind of differing trends as time moves on?
1: Um, We see various trends. Uh, Sometimes it's based on the police chief and the and the police department. But we've seen um, a decrease in the last 10, 12 years. We've seen uh, a decrease in filing of Class C misdemeanors overall and quite a decrease in juvenile case filings. Uh, then, in you know, after COVID, we've seen a little bit of a rise of some behavior-related crimes like public intoxication, assaults. <laughs> um, and we've seen in the last several years, and not... and. And everything I'm saying has actually been true in Texas. Uh, we've seen a rise in ordinance violations. Uh, uh, those are or, We're the only court that can see an ordinance violation. Those are passed by uh, the wonderful city council we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they're specific to our city. And we've seen a rise of, the, of those
0: violations in the last couple of years. Okay. Is there any more in terms of the kinds of things that your court and court staff uh, does that maybe we just have no idea about?
1: Well, um, one of the happy things I just did this this morning is I do offer free of charge uh, weddings. So when people um, uh, you have to be 18 and they they go to the county court county clerk's office and get a marriage license. Um, as long as we're not having court at the time uh, in our courtroom, I will preside over, I have a brief ceremony, and I sign and file the marriage certificate. So so we do we do weddings uh, there at the court. Um, our, 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 our clerks do, you know, my goal is for people not to come back and forth too much, so our clerks do 90% of the work mm-hmm. up front. When you go to College Station Municipal Court, you often are dealing with the clerks. That's to save you time. I offer my email address so people can email me. And uh, uh, and and I see people in court as well. But uh, our clerks do quite a bit of the actual work um, uh, for our court.
0: So I was going to ask you eventually about the weddings. You Sometimes go outside of your courtroom, though, to to preside over a wedding, correct? Sure,
1: sure. It's, um, you know, uh, people—we have some lovely spots here. In fact, I've heard—I'm not an expert on this, but I've heard Houston actually, you know, has a fairly limited of nice kind of places and maybe affordable for people to have weddings. So uh, there are a number of bed and breakfasts and other areas here where I will do weddings uh, for others. And also the Justice of the Peace often do it. Any judge can do it, but— uh, but, but I would say the majority of the ones I do are are in the courtroom. But and, and like I said, you know, most judges do charge. But if we're you know in the courtroom and and court's open, I I don't charge people to do it. But but I will do it outside the court.
0: Got it. So it feels like that as long as I've known about your work in the court, your mantra has been to find multiple options to keep people out of jail. And I I think you once even told me that the last thing you want is for somebody to go to jail. So what do those options look like in College Station?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The last thing, because it is a fine-only case, and yet, you know, I probably signed the most warrants because, unfortunately, people don't show up to court. Uh, So the last thing is jail. And so what do we offer, number one? um, You know, my whole goal, even stepping back beyond the jail, is, you know, I'm going to see... Uh, we, you know, individuals who are out of their parents' home for the first time, probably out of town, they're here, uh, they don't understand all the rules, and so they get a noise violation. Um, I'm gonna, we're gonna see hundreds of those every Mm -hmm. year. I mean, I'm not gonna end that, but my goal is for that first time offender to make sure they don't end up in my court or another court again, and certainly not get a more serious charge like driving while intoxicated or worse. So, um, Um, So I work a lot with what's called deferred disposition, where they do everything they're supposed to. I'll dismiss their case. We educate them about clearing their case. Um, And so we do so much to work with individuals. If people cannot pay, we work with them. We have payment compliance officers. We do everything. Unfortunately, and a lot, you know, I used to work with you a lot when you were at at College Station, with getting the word out on warrant amnesty, and mm-hmm. and we published, you know, the uh, the names of those that have warrants. But unfortunately, if someone just, sometimes people just figure that if they can throw the ticket away and ignore it, it'll all disappear, and it doesn't. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there are some people who get arrested and. And so and then I work with them there to try to fix that. So so but that is the last thing I want to do. And we're we're we've done a lot of work in Texas in terms of reforms, because unfortunately, as as we've seen, when people get in jail, then. Especially with a Class C misdemeanor, other things can happen. People get left there. There's just you know, the, no one. You know, taking someone's liberty is a huge, huge uh, uh, event. And so, um, I think I, you know, I've tried to do a lot of work to make sure that uh, people go to jail as rarely as as possible. It's also cost efficient. I mean, it's been a bipartisan issue. Republicans, you know, don't want to spend lots of money on. You know, jails when there's other alternatives either. You know, right. so it's it's not just a liberal or Democrat or you know. There's really been bipartisan support to make sure that people with nonviolent, low-level misdemeanors not find their way into jail.
0: But you also sometimes fall back on. Community service options, and we—you right. have a community living course that not a lot of people know about. Me, you—you have multiple ways to to help people out.
1: Right, right. I in fact this morning too. It's <laughs> after the wedding. Um, I I went and taught uh, our, our second to last of the school year uh, community living class, and it really came out of your office, Jay, the communications department, yourself, and Lacey Lively mm-hmm. and others. Uh, really wanted to do some within the city where we could educate. Uh, offenders about our various laws and I've taken my part to teach them about how to actually get their case dismissed early but completely clear their case because what I've seen is that uh, a minor you know Class C misdemeanor uh, minor in possession uh, that gets you know what happens in my court can follow you 10-15 years onwards we've we've taught we I had a call the other day from a professor who has had a public intoxication arrest? file him for ten years, fifteen wow. years, and it never got filed in a court. Actually, but you know, uh, so so this data travels around. So so there are laws now to clear your case completely if you're going to be a good citizen. And so we've 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 taught well over a thousand, uh, mostly college students, but college age students, and they take advantage of it when you become tw- about 20, 21 years old, and you're applying to graduate schools, uh, applying to. To various employ employees, employment uh, employers, um, they they not they're not going to ask you have you ever been convicted of a criminal offense. They ask have you ever received one? Have you ever pled not guilt, mm. guilty or guilty? Have you ever been on deferred? And you can expunge your case on many of these things, and by doing that, remove that from your record, and that's important. Anyone that gets arrested in Brazos County. Uh, and you have to be arrested if you're charged with public intoxication. So anyone arrested, your booking photo is on the internet immediately right so, you know and and if you're going to be if that's just one bad night that you had and you're going to be a good citizen, you can have that removed. and so uh, so we do a lot of education and I think that's a big you know I think that's an important part of of my you know job and and what I think that you know I have as a goal as a judge is to, you know, to help people out there who want to be good citizens.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a great class. And I think it's it's been a, a good endeavor for the city. Um, so College Station has had a no more than four yeah. ordinance for many, many years as it relates to the number of unrelated people who live together in some single dwellings. And I think it's fair to say that cities everywhere with an ordinance like this have kind of struggled in some ways to successfully enforce it. So how is your court being asked to approach this no more than four ordinance?
1: Sure. We've had quite a history. And, you know, just starting off when you said, you know, cities are struggling. The only city I heard in Texas is San Marcos that uh, had, they actually have a no more than two. But when I inquired, they've only had maybe a couple of cases filed ever wow. in their city. So I, I've yet to see, you know, where, uh, and when you think about it, you know, in terms of enforcing, um, the the goal, the reason for an ordinance like that is to really avoid the problems that you have when you have more than Four people, you know, living in a residential area causes a lot of cars out there, a lot of other problems. You know, there's there's reasons for it. Um, uh, historically, other cities have had other reasons for it. You know, sometimes prostitution or other reasons that they're battling. But um, anyway, like you mentioned, we've had that ordinance uh, of more than four unrelated since uh, it's forever, seventies like or something. Yeah. yeah, oh even beyond that from what I've heard. But yeah, yeah long time. Uh, the bottom line is we never had any cases filed. Um, and, and, and in terms of enforcement, it is very – I mean, if, unless people are going to confess uh, to you about it, it's pretty hard uh, to monitor who's actually living there. Um, are, are you going to do DNA tests on, on unrelated – I mean, if you really think about it, it's very difficult. But there have been a lot of complaints. As, you know, if you, you just have to travel a little bit south off of George Bush, down Welsh, and some of those streets, and you, you can see areas where uh, there aren't supposed to be more than four unrelated – and there are uh, citizens living there who have lived there for a long time who have been very concerned. The city council became concerned. So the past year, essentially school year, after lots of warnings and talking and discussion, um, about 105 cases were filed. About 110 cases were filed in the, uh, my court. Um, some of those were against corporations who own – a lot of the landlords are, are out-of-town out corporations. Right. Um, but they were filed on corporations. They were filed on tenants. I mean, if, you know, they were found and I would say 95 percent of the cases people confessed uh, and and said, you know, um, yes. Yeah, there were there's more than four unrelated here. Uh, Some had, you know, some even said I'm the ghost tenant. So they actually even have lingo. But, you know, um, it was very unique for our court because truly a lot of the people who received the the tickets did not. And this is not a defense, but did not know about the ordinance. They did not know their parents didn't know. Uh, it is a type of crime that when you enter into uh, a lease, you know, that's just not something you can quickly turn around either. I mean, you're in a, you're in a living situation. So um, I will say that of those 110 cases, I think 97 cases are complete. Uh, people pled guilty to them. You know, for the most part, there are a few pled not guilty. We didn't have any bench trials, jury trials, so, so that would indicate to me that the people were guilty. We covered it, but the court spent a lot of time on it. It, it was quite a bit. What resulted from that, I think, was a discussion with the university in terms of uh, 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 the Department of Student Life, uh, w- you know, to go over and have a kind of a that off-campus housing to work on it, education you know, element of education. Yeah. There's been a pause so far, unless unless there's a complaint. There's been a pause. But um there, that that was quite a change and quite different and very time consuming. I think I, I appointed one clerk to be kind of in charge as a point person, and she did about two hundred hours, three hundred hours on those hundred. I mean, just an incredible wow. amount of time on those cases. Now, now the charge of more than four unrelated is a criminal charge. I was talking to you before. Uh, speaking of criminal records. I don't know that you want the the charge more than four unrelated on your criminal record. It looks like maybe you're a human trafficker or something <laughs> versus a person who just happened to have five roommates. But uh, uh, it it's uh, it was a learning experience. But I hope what we come out of it, there, the the city is working on having uh, alternative zoning for some areas right. to have uh, you know more than four and. Uh, a lot of communications, but, you know, I understand, you know, we if landlords, you know, they can make a lot of money, the more people they have. There are places that are built that can house more than four. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not involved in all that. I'm just the person that, if the case gets filed, has to make sure people have a fair and efficient uh, hearing of their case. And I think we did that. Uh, but a lot of education, a lot of community living classes and other things uh, went into it. So,
0: Right. If you just tuned in, I'm Jay Sokol, you're listening to Brazos Matters, and my guest is Ed Spillane. He's the presiding judge over College Station's Municipal Court. So let's shift to Northgate. Northgate continues to grow mainly upward, um, a little bit outward, but it now has thousands of people actually living in it, in addition to becoming you know, the nighttime destination on Thursday and Friday and Saturday nights during school semesters. So how does all of this growth and change in Northgate affect you and your court staff?
1: It it has. That is probably one of the biggest changes I see. And I'm, you know, again, I'm not an expert. I always, I, I, I'm on call every five or six weeks, and I always say, oh, I'll go down to Northgate at two or three in the morning to really see. Uh, I don't do that. <laughs> I haven't done that. I, I Someday I will. But uh, from what I've heard, there's, you know, things that pour out alcohol. There's a lot more, too. I mean, they, they, like you said, maybe it's upward, the bars and, and the numbers, but there's uh, a lot of people going there. But one of the things that's happened— a couple things. Uh, during COVID and after COVID, the people attending Northgate, it's just not a Thursday, Friday, mm. Saturday thing. It's not just a, a football weekend. It's other days and you know, just this past Monday, which I know, you know, students and others, even though it's exam time and they're busy studying, uh, I guess if you're really busy, you know, you party hard and work hard. But uh, we, we had like about 30 or 40 just on one day, Monday, uh, minor possession files. And wow. that that's that's rare. I mean, that's for for now. Uh, that's more like a fall. Monday, but anyway, uh, but but the reason I think we've had we our court has had a record number of minor in possession, public intoxication, is the police have been out in Northgate because Northgate has also attracted uh, many different you know crowds. Uh, there's been gang activities. There's been some shootings. There's been guns found there. I will um, you know the the most common evidence that I see in my court is the mobile video. Uh, and yeah. I will, you know, that gets introduced in my court over something, a fight or whatever at Northgate. Well, I will, out of curiosity, watch the rest of it. And a lot of times, uh, it's, it's pretty shocking. I mean, you, what you see out there and what the officers are dealing with. And so, uh, it's very different. The Northgate, it is true. The Northgate of today is very different from five years and certainly 10 years ago, yeah. just in terms of that. And so, because the police are out there, um, There has been a lot more underage cases and fighting and other things, but they're also out there on, you know, more serious things have come out of there and for more serious reasons. So it's a – it is a different, our entertainment center. And I, I know the police chief and the council and others are trying to, str- and the businesses are struggling to try to figure out a way to kind of control that. And uh, because everyone ha- wants, you know, that to be an entertainment district. Sure. That's a fun, safe place to go to. But um, it is different. And and it is real. We have, it, I, I've never seen the number of public intoxication. And I read them now, too. And it's pretty shocking, the things I read. You know, it's just, you know, I read the probable cause statements on the arrests and there's a lot of wild stuff going on and uh you know who knows? Yeah. You know, a lot of people would just say, oh, it's COVID or something. But I don't know. You know, it's def- definitely there's a
0: change. Well, I like you, I've seen some of some examples of video, both from from uh, the cameras that the officers are wearing and, and also from, you know, the other camera surveillance camera systems that are throughout Northgate for safety reasons. And, and you're right. It's uh, it can be treacherous uh, yeah. for for law enforcement and anybody else there at times. So uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that you're you're starting to see the kinds of numbers that you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And with the, you know, and again, I'm not an expert on what's going on journalistically here, but I know that there's, you know, it's the tough times and there's fewer reporters, fewer of that. So I don't think people always know Mm -hmm. all the, you know, uh, that, that someone was, you know, half naked, drunk and asleep in a call, you know, on the street of a cul-de-sac. But, you know, that's a human being, that's a person there. And there's a lot of safety stuff that goes on. Um, and, uh, it it, it, it it is eye opening.
0: Yeah, so we're recording this in mid May, meaning we're in the waning weeks of the Texas Legislature's regular session. Of course, there's always a chance of one or more special sessions. But which bills have you and your fellow Texas judges been watching most carefully?
1: Well, we we, we watched. Yeah, yeah, right now it's it's kind of strange when you watch the House. Uh, they literally like name the bill. Um, I ask for someone to describe it. The person says one word, they move on. They say any objections, uh, one word. It, I mean, it is very fast. Uh, the House is passing bills left and right. Uh, so we watched one bill get defeated that would have eliminated the ability for police officers to arrest people on Class C misdemeanors or those who uh, haven't paid their judgments. And that did get defeated. Um, I did know that our local reps uh, voted against it, but uh, uh, that 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 was one bill that was out there. Um, uh, from a criminal perspective, the the legalizing not legalizing marijuana, but making marijuana a Class C misdemeanor, passed the House. Um, I, I'm. Not a betting person, but if I did bet, uh, my guess is the Senate's going to reject that. Uh, they've rejected that each year. But really, um, the the prosecution of marijuana has, if you go to Houston, I mean, they will not prosecute small amounts, period. It's not, you come right. to Brazos County, it is. I mean, you really have a divergence. So I hope someday that there's just something that is kind of across the state. So we'll see that. Uh, that. That would change our court if marijuana... You know, we had jurisdiction over marijuana uh, 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 possession of small amounts, but um, I don't know if the Senate will pass that. What we're really watching, you're right, the the next two weeks we're going to see what the Senate does with all these House bills. But um, um, there's nothing uh, that I've seen from a criminal justice uh, perspective that— is too impactful. Uh, the only thing is with juveniles, I, I, I mentioned to you we've seen about a 70 percent decrease in juvenile filings and I think that's kind of a shame because I think, um, I don't think people have stopped shoplifting or other things right. and our court could do a lot with teen court and other things, uh, other programs, and so there is a bill that looks like it will pass but who knows. Um, it's close to passage that would uh, really encourage programs like our teen court diversion programs and would make class C misdemeanors a civil charge, not a criminal charge. Which, on higher level charges for juveniles, it is a civil charge. So, you know, it, it doesn't make sense that the lowest level crimes are still criminal charges. So, um, I, I that bill could have a big impact on us uh, as well, but. We've had just a low number of, of juvenile cases filed because I think with a lot of reforms that made sense in a vacuum, it made it harder to kind of file them oh. at school and other places. So right. we just have seen a decrease in that. And I always think that if if you can get, get to someone early and, ve- and and do it efficiently, like in municipal court, um, you can turn people around without them getting into more serious trouble mm-hmm. later. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. We'll see what's happened. But that's one bill I'm looking at. But other than that, from a criminal justice, I haven't seen anything that's that's major changing in terms
0: of our court got it so I know there have been plenty of elected officials and jurisdictions over the years getting ideas from you but who are you watching and what ideas are you, you may be getting from them
1: you know, I, I, there's a variety. I I, I look to, um, you know, there's a national organization on court managers that um, that I get a chance to interact with various courts. There's a national judicial center. And whenever I, you know, it's easy as a judge to just be, well, be just in your office and we're busy enough with what we're dealing with, but let alone to get outside your state. And so um, uh, there's a number of states that do really interesting work. Uh, Work. Most states have a municipal court of some sort. They don't call them municipal courts, but, uh, uh, you know, so so I find that the most refreshing talking to other judges and what they're doing. Uh, You know, New York State, for instance, uh, when they made a lot of their low level offenses civil. Which I'm not necessarily saying that we ought to do that, but when they did it, they learned a lot about collection and getting people to court. And what they discovered is that sending, you know, the text messages that we get reminding us to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. or you know, you make a dinner report uh, reservation, you're going to get three text messages. Well, those actually work. And sending a, a text message saying you have court tomorrow and things like that. Uh, get people in court. So we've adopted that system, for instance. And that is so much cheaper and better than creating a warrant, an arrest warrant. It's more effective. Uh, You know, we we had a lot of ideas that, oh, people who don't come to court are just scared or are not going to come to court. A lot of times they don't come to court because they forget or they're just not thinking about it or they think like magically it'll disappear or whatever, or they're confused. And, and so, you know, adapting to technology. So that's one area that I learned from New York and what they were doing, totally different court system, different direction, but, um, so, so we are texting, and the state. I'm on the judicial council, and so this, and so I've worked with a committee there with the state to actually have the state fund a program for courts to text message and and do things like that. And that's definitely going to knock down the the paperwork. You know, during COVID too, we emailed a lot of people. You know, you'd think email's been around forever, mm-hmm. but you know, email is so much more effective than than mail and other things. So. So, you know. and
0: and are you seeing some evidence that it's kind of chipping away a little bit at the number of outstanding warrants that are absolutely, stacking up?
1: absolutely, it's reduced failure to appear,s and um, you know the communication. We still do a lot on the phone talking to people. People want to hear a human voice, but anything we can do, our website. You know, f- before COVID, uh, a lot of judges had the attitude that the website doesn't matter. Well, the website. Represents you, so it does matter. Yeah. But also, it's a it's a tool that people demand. I mean, I'm used to here a college town where you know it's just second nature that people are going to they want In fact, they probably want to do too much. Uh, your community living. One of the comments I read is, "Well, I wish you could show some YouTube videos." And it's like you're. I mean, the whole point <laughs> of community living is we're in person. You can watch YouTube videos. You know, I think it's effective to do that and have that available. But you can do that at home. So, uh, but anyway, uh, we we've learned a lot. But technology the use of technology uh, to increase access has been a real real key feature and probably a positive uh, feature from COVID too, actually.
0: Honorable College Station Municipal Court Judge Ed Spoy, thanks so much for coming in and visiting with me. This was a treat.
1: Well, thank you, the Honorable Jay. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brazos Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio, 90.9 KAMU-FM, a member of Texas A&M University's Division of Marketing and Communications. Our show is engineered and edited today by Program Director Matt Dittman. You can learn more about us at kamu.tamu.edu slash radio. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Jay Sokol.